Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. If you're an ambitious woman who wants to advance in leadership, then this podcast is for you. This podcast is co-hosted by Nikki Barua, digital innovator, serial entrepreneur, author, and speaker, and Monique Marquez, senior corporate leader, ex-Googler, and diversity expert. From inspiring stories to cutting-edge strategies, you'll learn how to develop the skill set, mindset, and tool set to get future-ready fast and accelerate your success. Hi, I'm Nikki Barua, your host for today's episode. Do you have a dream that you've been putting off until you've figured out all of the details? Now, what would happen if you simply threw caution to the wind and just took that first step forward? Meet Ellen Bennett, founder and CEO of Headley & Bennett, who shares why it's important to just get started and figure out the details along the way. In her new book, Dream First, Details Later, Ellen shares her journey and personal playbook for starting before you stop yourself. Ellen's hustle and willingness to leap into the unknown time and time again has helped her build a multi-million dollar company, making aprons and kitchen gear worn by many of the world's best chefs and home cooks everywhere. In this episode, Ellen shares how she self-funded her business and how getting comfortable with the uncomfortable allows her to navigate through change and keep leveling up. She even pivoted her business from making aprons to making masks at the beginning of the pandemic, helping to save jobs and donate over a half a million masks to those in need. So if you've ever imagined doing something and thought, nah, that's impossible, I wouldn't even know where to start, or I'm not qualified to do that, I want you to think again, because Ellen will teach you how to push aside your inner critic and launch right into action. Visit I'mBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Ellen. Hey, Ellen. So great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So excited to be here. Well, this show is all about um, interviewing leaders and innovators who share the inspiring stories and strategies with our audience worldwide. And your story um, is incredibly inspiring. And now it's cataloged in a book. So congratulations on the book. Um, So let's dive right in. Let's talk about um, how you got started and share some of that, you know, origin story. Absolutely. So I started my company, Headley & Bennett, that has now become an apron and kitchen gear brand, but its roots were born and sort of fostered in a professional setting. I used to be a professional cook and I hated our uniforms and I wanted to make something that would make everybody look and feel good and nothing existed. It was just like commodity products being made overseas in bulk. Uh, So I started Headley Amena because of that and I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I had no idea um, if it was going to be wholesale or retail or B2B or I didn't know what EBITDA was. I mean, you name it, I didn't know about it. Um, but I just began and that is the best, that's the best advice I could ever give to anyone is just start. Sometimes you just need to begin and figure out the details with along the way. And and that's exactly what your book is about, right? Dream first Mm -hmm. details later. So, um, what have you found that gets in the way that, you know, that you're really trying to communicate through your uh, book as well? What's the core message about that? Yeah. You know, 
the entire book is a series of stories and adventures and also pitfalls along the way because i think a lot of us see the cover of forbes magazine and inc and fastco and you're like that's what success looks like but to me success is showing up every day no matter what happened yesterday and trying again and along the way you're going to have successes and you're going to have failures they're not separate or like, oh, only certain people have failures or only certain people have successes. It's actually how many times are you willing to fail that you will have a higher chance of succeeding. And mm -hmm. so that's what my entire book is about. And it visually, physically, and literally shows every single time I fail and how I just continue to get back up again and again and again. And anybody that's read is just like, oh my God, the <laughs> level of grit and stamina uh, to just keep going, even though it feels like the world is ending is, is inspiring. And it's also just like proof that you can do it. And if I could do this, um, you absolutely can. So it's, the hope is to inspire people to find the attitude of, yes, I can, yes, I will, I will show up and I will try again and again and again. And, and that is one of the reasons that, um, you know, Penguin Random House chose this book. They are, I'm really honored to be surrounded by authors like Seth Godin and Simon mm -hmm. Sinek. And they're incredibly acclaimed humans in the world that are doing amazing things. And, and my story is now standing next to them. And it, the our publisher said it's because of the attitude that this book delivers it's mm. the attitude that you get by the time you're done reading it of like oh it's a decision internally that i can do this and then i'm gonna go do it so that's what's really special about it it's also by the way for color meaning the entire chapter book has color in it it's not just a reading book it's like actually very entertaining and fun to look at while being inspiring and real i honest. love it i love it um you know i recall one of our uh conversations from a few years ago where you shared the story about one of your early setbacks um uh, in you know uh, in tailoring the apron and uh you know maybe share some of those you you referenced setbacks and the grit it takes to go through it share with us some of those early challenges and yeah. how you navigated through them yeah, totally. So when I started, I was completely, you know, self-funded. And by self-funded, I mean, I had $300 in my savings account and I used that. <laughs> so that's about as funded as I was. Um, and one of the things that really stuck with me was that like my word was gold. And if I made an agreement with someone and I said I was going to deliver, I was going to do whatever it took to make that happen. And I vividly recall um, an order that we had for Jamie Oliver, very famous chef in the world, and it didn't go out on time. And so I actually paid to have somebody get on a flight and fly to England and deliver the aprons by hand, wow. which cost the company an absurd amount of money. But I was so committed to not failing um, with our customers and, and saying just because we're a small company doesn't mean you shouldn't trust us and we're going to go to the ends of the earth to make sure that whatever we promised happens and so we got the aprons there for that event on time and it sounds crazy but it really created a sense of um just never never giving up yeah mm -hmm. i just always said if we're going to do it we're going to do it and we're going to deliver never no, never don't deliver 
Right. Your word is gold. I, I love that. Um, so, I mean, that's an incredibly powerful sense of self and and commitment to keep yeah. your word and to find a way no matter what. And so yes. many people struggle with that, right? It's yes. one thing yes. to say, believe in yourself, but we all yes. know that self-doubt kills more dreams. Uh, failure ever will. Failure ever will, right? So, <laughs> yep, yep. so what um, helped you develop that within yourself? I, I love that you referenced that because it's actually in my book. I'm like looking for the page. Susie Cassum. Right? Susie Cassum. She's a <laughs> genius. So yes, yeah. I totally agree. Um, you know, the way that I have found um, success in, in doubt, if you will, is by simply trying and, and having a couple of successes. I call it also in the book, my confidence belt. And you mm. go through life and you add little notches every time you accomplish something. And maybe it's really small, but it gives you enough of a boost of self-esteem that you're like, all right, let me try it one more time. All right, that didn't hurt as bad as I thought it would. Okay, let maybe I'll try a bigger one. Oh my God, I did it. That's so awesome. Yeah. And then you just keep kind of building upon it like a staircase. Yeah. And next thing you know, you're confident enough to do all kinds of things because mm -hmm. you're willing to make that first kind of leap of faith and it worked. Mm -hmm. And you just keep doing that through life and you build upon it. And there's this amazing uh, drawing I saw on Instagram the other day that was like a staircase in front of you of all your failures. And then somebody else that was like not a successful entrepreneur, entrepreneur where all of the failures were stacked on his shoulders. So it was like one, one was just squishing him down because the failures were weighing him down. The other one was using the failures as a staircase to the mm. next thing that he was going to try. And so it's really a, like a perspective mm -hmm. of, of trying. Of obstacles are the opportunity. You exactly. Know, they, exactly. They help you level up. I mean, they're an um, opportunity for growth or for yes. uh, new perspectives from there. Um, yeah. You know, uh, confidence, as you mentioned, so often is built on evidence of success. And yes. even if that evidence is really tiny, it requires some level of action because you can't get that evidence if you just don't even act. Exactly. So, so the question, and I'm curious how, what strategies or habits have helped yes. you do that? How do you take that first step? Because once you take that, even that tiny baby step, yeah. then it's a lot easier to build upon that, as you mentioned, in yep. the staircase. But what yep. about that first step that someone's terrified of taking? Well, that is where you have to just stop thinking about it and just choose a moment and, and like put that first step forward. And the way that I have done that is typically there's an opportunity of some sort and maybe I don't have all the ducks in the row and I don't have all the answers and I say yes anyway. It mm -hmm. could be something as simple as signing up for a marathon and let's say it's on a raffle. So if you get chosen, you're going to do it. If you don't get chosen, fine, you don't do it. But something where there's an outside force pushing you to do it, I always love that because it's a deadline. It's an outside contributing factor. And I actually ran the New York Marathon like that. I signed up <laughs> on, in a raffle and got chosen out of like hundreds of thousands of people that sign up every year and get denied. And I got chosen and I was like, oh my God, I can't not do it now. And then I started training. But if I but had you run a marathon ever before? No, I had oh, never so run. first time, just like <laughs> yeah. randomly out of a raffle. And just yeah. Do it. yeah. And I got chosen. And so I was like, okay, well, there you go. I'm committed. And same thing with my very first order for Headley and Bennett. My chef 
asked me if I wanted to buy an apron from him. And I was like, chef, I have an apron company. You can't have somebody else make them for you. Like I'm making aprons now. And I didn't have anything, but I had this opportunity and like life presented to me. And I thought I can't not do something about it right now. I need to actually say, yes, I can do this because life threw this thing my way. And I think we constantly all have experiences like that, but we're afraid to see them and we're afraid to to take that moment and seize the opportunity. And so just like seize the opportunity and have enough confidence in yourself that you've done enough things in life to get you this far. You're still standing. You're still alive. Like, why not try this thing? What's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to fail? Well, then good job that you even tried. That's right. So tell me about a moment, if there ever was one, where you did have to deal with your own self-doubt or fear um, or limiting belief in some way um, yeah. prior to you know this mindset develop. Because this mindset also takes yeah. a while to develop. It's, it's just like any totally. habit. You know, it yes. gets stronger yes. over time. But take us back to a time when maybe you know that muscle wasn't as developed and yeah. what helped you. Yeah. You know even though I could say I have a lot more of that muscle now than I did before, it still doesn't make it easier. I'm just a lot more comfortable with the uncomfortable now. Right. I'm just willing to experience that feeling a lot more easily than at the beginning when I would be like, oh my God, it didn't work. Why? Um, but if I want to give you an example, there was, um, there was a time when Headley and Bennett was experiencing quite a lot of growth and we didn't have the right team members in place. Mm -hmm. And I needed to bring on people that were significantly smarter than me and more able in areas that I was not super, super passionate about, or I didn't understand things like supply chain or ops mm -hmm. or, you know, certain parts of performance marketing, et cetera. So I had to kind of get humble and really recognize what were my strengths and what were the things that I wasn't bringing to the table and then be willing to outsource it and to let go of things that I had been handling from day one and owning and like just had my fingerprints all over it and letting go of parts of my company that are very much my baby. Mm -hmm. And I had to, when I was interviewing my, my now chief growth officer, Evan, you know, super brilliant guy. He comes from seven plus years at Bain. He was about to become a partner. And now he was, you know, talking to me about joining my team as like my right hand. And I knew what a huge leap of faith that was for him to do. And then coupled with my own leap of faith in myself to like let go of these things that I had been holding on to for seven plus mm -hmm. years, it was very hard. Mm -hmm. But we both did it with a real honest um, kind of forthcoming approach of like, there's things you bring to the table and I bring to the table and we just have to like never be, never not be in alignment on it. And you are the science and I am the art and together we make one. So mm -hmm. that's how we thought about it. And it's been one of the most powerful decisions I ever made. And he's been such an asset to our company. And I could have never done it if I didn't take the leap of faith and say, this is the right thing to do, right. even though it's incredibly uncomfortable to let go of control of like over half my company, because now most people report to him instead mm -hmm. of to me. That was a huge step. And yet here I am standing saying it was totally uncomfortable, but it was totally right. And, and that decision that you made is, is actually one of the things that often holds entrepreneurs back from scaling their businesses because yes. they never transition from owning it and doing it 
uh, all themselves to yes. gaining leverage through other people's talent or bingo what leverage. Yep. Um, and so you reference something that a lot of people, both in entrepreneurship as well as in corporate roles, struggle with, which is hiring people better than them. Yeah. It's one thing to let go of control. That is its yes. own issue. Yes. But another yes. thing is, you know, feeling comfortable to either attract or, you know, hold on to people that you know yeah. are better than you, better experienced, smarter, what have you. Yep. Um, what has worked for you in doing that? I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, the mindset. I'm talking about the practical elements of even attracting cutting yeah. edge talent, people yeah. that are in prestigious firms with Ivy League right. degrees. Right. What has helped yes. you with that? You know, I think that for a minute there, I was like, ah, oh, that seems tough. Like he's from Stanford. He How did you is, find him? I found him through a recruiter. Okay. Um, but what, what attracted him to Headley and Bennett was the color, vibrancy, enthusiasm that I brought to the table in this unique approach of like having built something out of nothing. And, mm -hmm. you know, you can go join PepsiCo or Nabisco and have a great job and stability, but you're not building something. You are a piece of a big machine. And mm -hmm. here he had the opportunity to actually like be on the front lines, pick up a shovel and like build the wall with me, build the roof, build the whole mm -hmm. structure. And that was a part that like magic, people want that. They mm -hmm. thrive in the idea of building something, especially if they're like entrepreneurs at heart. And so that was definitely something that helped not only attract Evan, but also a bunch of other team members that we now have from, you know, other, other agencies like McKinsey and L Catterton and Bain and, you know, all these places that just, you wouldn't have necessarily said, why would they want to go work for an apron and kitchen gear brand? But it's just like the innovation we've done on boots on the ground with no support just mm -hmm. think of the possibilities of what you can do with the actual right processes in place. And that's what got people really excited. So don't try to be Pepsi or Nabisco, be yourself, like whatever magic your company made you, like whatever magic is there is the why people are going to come to you. They want to be with you because you're different, not because you're like everybody else. And so that's the key, right? Like it's, it's yeah. leading with your authenticity, your brand, yes. your culture, yes. your values, your promise exactly. yep. that the right people will opt in. And yes. if they're not right, you don't want them anyway. So exactly, exactly. What if you could pinpoint the invisible ceilings limiting your success? Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers so you can take action and gain unstoppable momentum to advance as a future ready leader. Well, that's exactly what the Beyond Barriers quiz will help you discover. You'll get your personalized score based on the 25 essential elements proven to accelerate success in the digital age, so you can understand what's holding you back and where to focus your efforts. The Beyond Barriers quiz is completely free and takes just a few minutes. Go to imbeyondbarriers.com slash quiz and take the quiz today. So, um, you know, this is, uh, you know, obviously a huge um, transformation from where you originally started. Right. Uh, so I want to go back to some of that early stage when it was just you, you know, yes. not the, um, you know, big team and uh, yep. fast growth and all of that. What were some of the key things that really helped you break through? And I asked that question because there's so many women entrepreneurs that, 
could be doing the same thing for 10 years, 20 years, and it's still just them. And they just don't know how to break through that growth opportunity. And we all know that there's a a way to tap into growth if you align to market demand and things like that. So what, what really helped you transition from, you know, the first order perhaps to like riding that growth wave? Yeah. So I think two things. One, growth waves don't always look like this. Growth wave can be like this. You know, a lot of times you hear about the success when it's at the peak, but you don't know the like 40 plus years or whatever that person went through or the five businesses he failed at before he started his business that was successful after one year, but technically he had 25 years of experience (laughs) under his belt, right? So you're like, okay, read the fine print before you start judging yourself against somebody else. Like that overnight success was because the night was 10 years long. Exactly. I'm like, that's (laughs) bullshit. I I read through that all day long and everybody looks more shiny on the outside than they actually are. And everyone has things they have to work on. So like, don't be such a harsh critic. And I say that because I am tremendously painful on myself where I'm just like, what, why are we doing that? We need to do more of this. They're doing this and you don't even know what they're not doing. So stop comparing. Yeah. So that, I think that's first, first things first. But another thing that was very helpful for me when I first started was I actually put my blinders on and I would just charge into the distance and be like, okay, this is my path. I don't have capital. I don't have investors. I don't have fancy people on my payroll. I just have myself. So what am I going to bring to the table that's special? I'm going to bring me and I'm going to bring my ability to connect with people. I'm going to bring my great product and I need to get myself in front of people because that's how they'll believe it's great. So I would show up with like a bag of aprons to the farmer's market and I would like show it to people and I'd be like, here, try it on, whatever. And get feedback from them. And it became a, like a, a friendship before it became a, a actual transaction. Mm-hmm. And so that was one of the big things that Headley and Bennett did was build a community. And then the, that community became our customers. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like, hi, come buy something from me first. And then by the way, I want to be your friends because there's something I can get out of you, which is money. It was really genuinely like, I exist out here and I'm doing this really cool thing and I'm excited about it. I want to show you about it. What do you think about it? Oh, cool. You like it too. Let's be friends. Oh, you want an apron? Totally. Here's where you can get it. And that's just like a different approach. You don't feel like you're being like hustled by a used car salesman. You feel like, man, I want to support this girl because she's passionate about what she's doing. And she actually has a really great product and a great story. Let's be friends. So that was very helpful. And then the other thing that I always did at the beginning was, and honestly, even to this day, is I never spent more than I made. And that's like old school as hell. But by having enough money in the bank and never spending more than I made, I was able to control my destiny. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't being like, you know, slaughtered by credit card fees and debt and whatever. I was just like, okay, if you need a printer, you better go sell three more aprons to go buy that printer. Mm -hmm. And it, it, took a longer path to hit what you could call success, but that success was a hundred percent mine. It was nobody else's. The bank didn't own me. Credit cards didn't own me. Like I owned it. And so I would reinvest every penny back into the company. And with that little by little, I was able to build, build Mm -hmm. a business. Right. Now that's such a disciplined and focused way uh, and grassroots way to do it. I mean, the community building, the, uh, in effect, uh, you also have a focus group that's continuously making your product better, exactly. but also defining what your brand, what yes. part of your brand and culture resonates because yes. that's your movement that you're creating. Yep. Yep. And, uh, and, and that has lasting power that money can't buy. 
Absolutely. Um, but the fiscal discipline is tremendous as well because the ability to have delayed gratification can create long-term benefits. Um, yes. How did you personally get by? Because you yeah. know you mentioned you started with three hundred dollars in your bank yeah. account, which you yeah, totally. This sounds like you know several years where you're kind of doing yeah. this. Um, yep. Meanwhile, you're operating in a world where there's the whole temptation of, you know, seed stage funding and like right. $100 million or a billion dollars of funding, like yeah. against that, contrasting against that. How did you yeah. stay focused on what was right for you? Honestly, in the time that I was like turtling my way on the highway, <laughs> just like, dee, 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 dee. but it was, it was always going up, right? I always yeah. saw it going up. So I knew it was working. I would see businesses get 20, 30, $40 million of funding, be this raging success and then die in the time that I was still climbing. And so I just realized like, okay, that path of that style, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just a different path and it's not the path I'm going to take. And so I, I never got tempted with the comparison of like sexy office and sexy money that can get me all these things. If anything, I was learning how to run a business mm. with way less stakes than if I had millions of dollars from other people. I was just getting to learn and fail with my own money. And so I felt much more comfortable in that zone. And I was also focus grouping. I was improving my product. So for me, it was the right journey. For somebody else, maybe it wasn't. But I'm just proud that... I was able to sustain my company for eight plus years, like on my own. Mm -hmm. And eventually I did bring on strategic partners like in the last year and a half, but that was to go to a different level, mm -hmm. but not financially, really strategically, mentally, structuring a board, doing things like that. And, and to be able to have gone out to the world and say, okay, I'm going to do this now because I want smarter people around the table. It's a very different position to take yeah. than I'm dying and I need money right now. Right. It's a very profitable MBA too. Exactly. <laughs> you know? exactly. Fastest way to learn about EBITDA is be responsible for us. <laughs> Bingo. Bingo. That's yes. right. Yes. And, and, you know, I can personally relate because that's exactly what I've done in my entrepreneurial journey is, you know, just like you said, turtle your way through that. But yeah. when you uh, learn it because... Uh, it's it's all you learn it because your ass is on the line <laughs> literally much, you know it's yeah. your success your failure but you're also responsible for so many people their lives their livelihoods and, and yes. your customers and their yes. welfare it puts a whole different sense of ownership than uh you know any other kind of money so totally. so let's fast forward now to the let's say the last 12 months i mean yes. you know the pandemic has turned the world on its head and oh, uh yeah. the industry that you're in, you know, I'm sure um, has gone through all kinds of impact and transition. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about one, some of the, you know, um, some of the impact, but also how you personally guided your team and navigating yeah. through that and how you, uh, how your company or how your team adapted to that change and what's happened. Yep. Yeah. So pre-pandemic, we had been working on having the right team members on the bus and having all this structure that was perfect and organized and great and laid out. And, and then COVID hit. And it was just like somebody grabbed the playbook that we had been working so hard on and chucked it out the window. And they're like, bye. And that was so wild to me because I had spent all this time getting the right people 
people, getting the right infrastructure, this, that, and the other. And I kind of had to kick back into my original days of Headley and Bennett when it was like me against the world. And I looked around at everything that was happening and I said, we cannot not do something about everything that's happening. We need to contribute to our community. And in the way that I have done so many times throughout the years with my team. And so I decided to pivot overnight. Uh, we have a 16,000 square foot factory here in LA, which is where I am right now. And I decided to turn it into a face mask facility wow. overnight. And so they announced the shutdown, they announced the stay home order, and we were going to pack everybody up. And instead, I came to the factory and came up with a prototype for our face mask called my friend who's a doctor and was like, what do you need? What do you want? What works in masks? Like, what are the needs of, of this? And uh, he helped me figure it out over FaceTime. And several hours and several patterns later, I posted a picture on Instagram saying like, looks like New York City needs masks. Like, what do you guys think? Should I do this? And like, we got, I think, seven or 8,000 comments and likes and it went crazy and people were like you have to do it you should totally do it and i was like okay we're doing it and the next morning our mask went live on our website and we called it the wake up and fight mask and we sold for every mask that was sold we would donate one to the front lines and by wednesday of that week this was saturday by wednesday of the next week we were already shipping masks Wow. So it was the most radical decision I have ever made. And this is after a long journey of like <laughs> having a business by yourself. Um, but it went viral. It went viral on our Instagram, on Headley and Bennett. It went viral on social and all because people felt hopeless at home and they wanted to contribute. And here, here was this girl with a company, with an infrastructure, and she decided to do something with it. And so never feel like you are just one person and you can't have an effect in the world. Like, your, your opinion and your actions matter. And to date, we've been able to donate over half a million masks and we wow. made a million masks. And we also were able to keep over a thousand people employed in our supply chain. We were able to keep so many of our team members employed on our team. And it was just really a beautiful thing, a very hard thing to be a part of, but a really beautiful thing that we were that we rallied around um, mm -hmm. with no plan and no playbook of any kind <laughs> whatsoever. And also the willingness to let go of the old playbook that yes. sometimes yep. can be such a huge yes. deterrent to making a change because you're so 100%. attached to this perfect playbook that you had. And yep. now it's like, oh, I don't yep. want to change it. And yes. this recent example from you is such a perfect illustration of what your message is in the book, which is, yes. you know, stop overthinking. You went like this, yep. made a decision and yep. activated within days yeah. and made a difference. Yeah. Totally. It, it is the, it's ironically the epilogue to the book. <laughs> is the, the last chapter is called Wake Up and Fight. And the beginning of the book is called Dream First Details Later, How to Quit Overthinking and Make It Happen. And that's just, that's just it. No matter how much building you do in life, sometimes something's going to happen and you just have to be willing to rise to the occasion and adjust and let go of what you did before. If you can do it once, you can do it again. And that's just like, I continue to learn that over and over in life. Right. So given um, the environment in which we're all operating under and the level of change and uncertainty that we're constantly adapting to, yes. how do you keep yourself ahead of the curve? What helps to keep you inspired and informed? Um, yeah. 
and feeling like, yeah, I can, you know, I, I know how to spot the wave or I know how to navigate through this. Right, right. Such a good question. I think as I build my team out more and more, every new person that brings me, that comes on onto us, uh, onto our organization, I'm like, okay, I now have this many more hours in the day. I have this much more leverage. Mm. So where am I going to put my attention now? And I just have like this constant re-evaluation of my efforts. And it, it never, by doing this, I'm never in a like, okay, well, things are good. Like, we're just going to sit back and let stuff happen. Yeah. Instead, I'm just like constant re, constantly re-evaluating. So that really helps. Mm-hmm. And then I also, because I'm shedding so many roles all the time, I'm getting to look at different areas of the company where I've never had the time to look at and realize, oh my gosh, my time over here is so much more valuable than me worrying about the weeds in this area over here. Mm-hmm. And so I'm starting to like come out from the trees yeah. and like look at it from above and actually get to be a real leader versus just like someone who's in the trenches with everyone all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's been pretty empowering for me and also a new muscle that I'm learning and stretching. Mm-hmm. You know, we're starting to talk about having a president come on board and what that looks like and what that would mean. And mm-hmm. as I'm doing this, it's letting go of more things, but growing versus mm-hmm. being like, no, nothing can change. Don't right. change anything. Like change is a part of the journey. You can't um, make room for new things unless you shed something else you had before. So, exactly. Um, but there's also things that are important to hold on to. So what is the one thing you've consistently held on to and stayed close to that you think is valuable? I, 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 I tell this to my team all the time, especially when onboarding them and when interviewing people. Like, we can never lose our heart. We can never lose our soul and our scrappiness. No matter how fancy of an organization we become, no matter how many people join our team, like, we can't lose the grit that got us here in the first place because that scrappy, resourceful, peppy, go-getter underdog is what built this. Mm -hmm. And as we get more corporate, like, we have to still approach things with a, with a resourceful mindset. We have to still think about like, how can we focus on what we have and not what we don't have and just become spoiled because we have more opportunities and more access. Mm-hmm. And, and never losing that I think is very important because no matter how big or successful you get, everything could be gone tomorrow and you might have to start all over again. So don't lose your resilience no matter how big and successful you get and approach every day with humility and not with an entitlement of like, well, I made it here, therefore I deserve it. Like you deserve the success you build. You don't deserve, and that happens every day. It's not just like, oh, you did it once and then you get it forever. Like that's just not true. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. I I think what you're describing is your culture of grit and resilience. That is the thing that will withstand all of the uncertainties around, but also yeah. is your special sauce. You know, it's it's what exactly. has made your organization what it is today. And resilience is something that, you know, in, um, as we talk about reskilling for the future, 50% of employees will have to be reskilled over the next three to four years. Yeah. And some of the most critical skills beyond the digital skills really comes down to, um, you know, developing resilience and agility yeah. and adaptability, which yeah. is essentially what your company already has. And it's um, right. what's needed for the digital age. So, right. Right. So in this context, with all of the responsibilities you carry and the many hats you still wear and a fast growing organization, um, 
how, what keeps you grounded? What are some daily habits that are non-negotiables for you yeah. that give you the focus, the energy, and um, you know the groundedness every day? Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty committed to sleeping eight hours a night. Like rain or shine, I sleep enough. And I do that because if I'm not at 100% and I'm not fully aware of what's happening around me because I'm exhausted or I'm tired or whatever, like I'm just not going to be able to give it my all. So I definitely sleep enough and I drink a very large volume of water. That sounds so basic, but water and sleep are just like fundamental pillars. And I really try and avoid anything like alcoholic during the week and anything that will make me groggy. Um, And I just like, you know, nose to the grindstone, nose to the grindstone. Like I feel very fortunate to in the shoes that I'm in and I don't take it for granted ever. So just like, don't forget that, uh, Mm. no matter wherever you are, like you are there and you are lucky to be there. So what are you going to do to earn it today? That is such a beautiful statement. I love that. Um, so you and I are both part of the Ernst & Young Entrepreneurial Winning Women community. Yes. And uh, we have benefited so much from that sisterhood and all of that access. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about community and the power of community, whether it's getting mentors and sponsors or strategic yep. advisors or even the next level peer group that normalizes the next level of success for you. Yeah. How have you gain access to some of those relationships? What um, strategies have helped you perhaps get those advisors and mentors? Yeah. And, and what advice would you give to someone else? Who yeah, maybe is operating solo and is afraid to ask. Right. I think definitely try and find people that are genuinely going to help you. Not just it's sexy to say that the founder of Warby Parker is on your board. If that Mm. person has no idea what you're doing and isn't really going to help you, like it doesn't actually like why bother? So don't go for, don't go for glamour, go for actual support and, and look for people that really are passionate about what you're doing and believe in it. Mm. Because if they're if they're an advocate for you, they're going to want to help and rally and support you in whatever way. I also think a thing I did very much at the beginning was if somebody gave me advice, I would circle back up and say, hey, it worked. Thank you so much. Like, this is what I did. And this is the outcome. And it was awesome. And um, another thing you can do is bring something to the table. Don't just ask for help and not provide something. That doesn't mean monetarily necessarily. Um, When I first started out, I met a lot of really amazing people just because I would befriend them at an event and be like, oh, can we connect? I'd love to talk more. And, you know, I did everything like bartering style, which is also (laughs) in the book. So I'd be like, I'll make dinner for your family. Just look at my books or I will teach your kids how to cook. And food was my skill, right? It was the thing that I could provide as like a resource. And people were totally like, that's awesome. She works at a two Michelin star restaurant. Hell yes. I'm going to let her come (laughs) over and dinner. And sure. I'll spend an hour and a half talking to her about patterns or whatever. And that was perfect. And it was helpful for me. And it was, um, I had no, I had no ego around it. I was just like, yeah, I'm here to help. I'm here to provide a dinner for this person who's going to help me. And so being willing to help other people with your time and whatever skill you have is a great way to get help from somebody else. Don't just demand it. Nobody owes you anything. They're going to give it to you because they like you and because you have the humility to ask for help. And just remember that like, it's not, it's, it's, they're going to do it because they like you, not because they have to. 
I love that. It's such wise words because um, everyone's got something to offer to the world. And if you come from a place of giving, not of taking, but also not letting your ego get in the way of asking for the help that's needed. Yes. Um, Yes. Ellen, you are such a bundle of energy and inspiration. I just love it. It's, um, you know, your success is truly so well-deserved and I'm excited about the book and tell our audience where they can find the book, when it's coming out, tell us, um, you know, more of those details. We'll also be sharing that on our website with all of the links, Um, but close it out with that. This is the book. Very fun, very colorful. (laughs) You can get it on pre-order now, which is actually very important for anyone out there. Pre-orders are what shows a bookstore how many books are going to be bought. So they base their orders on that. So please, please, please get it on pre-order. I think it's $27, which by the way is like five burgers at In-N-Out. If you can't can't spend that on your own ability to like leap out the window and make choices in life, like I don't know what. Uh, So definitely worth it. It's uh, very colorful. It's very fun. You can get it on anything, anywhere on the internet, pretty much. Barnes and Noble, Amazon, any like local bookstores, just type in Dream First Details Later, Ellen Bennett on the internet and Google will take you there. Um, I also just did the audio book. So you can also get it on Audible which is Excellent. awesome and even less expensive. Um, you can also go to our website, headleyandbennett.com, and we created a whole really fun collection of aprons and masks oh, that go with so the cool. book. Yeah, super fun. So you can get uh, 25% off the apron and the masks when you buy the book directly from our website. So definitely go check it out and follow me on at Ellen Marie Bennett and Headley and Bennett on Instagram and TikTok. Highly enjoyable TikTok. We oh, have. there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, we're still millennials, so yes, we did get <laughs> we did get on the TikTok train. <laughs> I love it. This is so much fun. So everybody, be sure to support Ellen and her new book, and get all of that wisdom so we can get past all of that self doubt and start taking action and building our confidence and achieving our dreams. So Ellen, thank you so much for being with us, and good luck to you with everything that's ahead. Uh, we'll be rooting for your continued success. Thank you so much. I love this. This was so fun. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Barriers podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend about it and subscribe to get new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Visit IamBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests. See you next episode.